0: Okay, that is the perfect segue into Colossians chapter 3. This is a holiday weekend, but we are taking no holiday from Colossians. Okay? So, I know that there's some folks that are traveling this weekend, because that's what I've heard all week long about wonderful plans that people have, and, um, and we're, we miss them, but we're not taking a vacation. Okay? We're in Colossians. We're in chapter 3. And this is crucial, because we are turning the corner this morning into chapter 3. So here's our text. We're just going to look at the first four verses. Just tell it, five fingers. (laughs) Four verses, okay. And this first phrase is incredibly important. So now, if if you have your pen, it's okay to underline this in the text. I know your mom told you not to write in the Bible, but this one would be worth underlining. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Now, that's a first-class conditional sentence in the Greek, which bears the force of, of uh, the word, like the idea of since. Since you have been. But, but it's usually translated if, because it's not going to assume that you are in Christ. But it is going to assume that if you are in Christ then here's what's, here's what's going to happen. If you're in Christ. Now, that's what we've been talking about. See, when he says since or if, where is he looking? He's looking back at the last two chapters, the ones that we have taken our time to and to have worked our way through over the last several months. I've explained it before. I'm going to explain it until the day I die. The way Paul approaches writing letters, he always starts at the beginning of his letters with the vertical indicative. Usually in past tense, what Christ has done for us. And once our lives are anchored in that, then he gives us the horizontal imperative. You see? And so over the next several months, as we begin to unpack chapter 3 and chapter 4, Paul has divided Colossians evenly, first two chapters, the vertical indicative, and now in chapter three and chapter four, the horizontal imperative. How do we live in light of the fact since or if we have been raised with Christ, we've been so identified with him that we are identified in his death, burial, and his resurrection. And the interesting thing about the Greek there is the word raised is literally the idea of being co-resurrected with Christ. So Paul is bridging the vertical indicative with now the horizontal Imperative: How do we live? How do we live sent? That's what we're going to talk about the next several months. Now, here's why I like that video. I didn't come up with that video. Bob Rockwell came up with that video. We used it at our retreat. Were you on the retreat? So you've seen that if you were on our retreat that we did a little over a month ago, you know, in the, and it, uh, based on our mission as a church to live sent... Serving, engaging, nurturing, that is nurturing, discipleship, depth of growth, and then trusting God for the, the results. That's our mission, okay? But what I love about that video, it combines the idea of living scent with the vertical indicative. What was the musical background? By the way, I'm hearing ringing. Are y'all hearing ringing? Can we kind of play with me a little bit there? What was the musical background? Shout it out, somebody. The Apostles' Creed. Ding, 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 ding. You win. The Apostles' Creed. Put it up there. Put the Apostles' Creed up there. This is what's being sung in the background. I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I go back to the first slide. Okay. All right. Look at the verbs. Look at the verbs. There are 12 verbs in the apostolic creed in reference to who Jesus is, was conceived, was born, suffered, crucified, died, buried, descended into hell, rose again, resurrected, ascended into heaven Say, the first nine are past tense. And then there's one present tense. What's the present tense? He is today seated at the right hand of the Father. And then there are two future tense, which are, he will come, he will judge. You see it? It's the vertical indicative. Those first nine verbs explain the earthly ministry of Christ on our behalf. The finished work of Christ from the day he was born, there was one mission to fulfill, and he fulfilled that mission. And you see, and the last, the last indicative or past tense verb is he ascended Okay, so now let's finish reading this text. Verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, present tense, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you will appear with him in glory so do you see what Paul just did? He just put the exclamation point. Just put the in the period on the indicative, the, the vertical indicative. He said, and he has ascended into heaven, and he now, present tense, is in the presence of the Father, seated at the Father's right hand. He even references one day, one day he's coming, and he will judge the future. When verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So if the only way we can move forward into chapter 3 and chapter 4, if you understand that you are rooted in what Christ has done, you are identified in his death, burial, and resurrection, that you are in Christ Christ. And this isn't complicated. It requires two things. We're not just a one-word people. We're two-word people. It's not law or grace. It's law and then grace. See, the first thing is that you have to come to a place where you acknowledge your sinful state. That you take responsibility for your sin, for your brokenness, for your disobedience, your rebellion, your carelessness. That you, you know, that you Because until you do then, until you are crushed by the law, you'll never understand, fully understand what it means to really be in Christ. You have to first deal with sin. Now, we talked about that last week. Remember when Paul talks about we have total forgiveness. We have complete forgiveness in Christ who has canceled out the record of our debt. And the word was very specific. It was the word for a handwritten IOU. Handwritten. In your handwriting, I owe you the record of your debt, your sin. You get it? There's, there's, there has to be an acknowledgement. I am a sinner in need. That's the first part. And then the second part is Christ has met every condition of the law and he has died in my place. And I believe and trust in what Christ has done for me. I acknowledge my sin and I put my trust in his saving work, in his sacrifice. So if then we are in him, we are in, identified with him in his death burial and in his we are co resurrected with him then set your minds and your hearts on things above not on things of the earth but on above where christ is seated at the right hand of the father now here 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 was my conundrum i'm going to camp on this for a little bit this the next couple of paragraphs But we have a really lousy theology of Ascension. Have y'all noticed? You didn't even notice. Two Sundays ago was Ascension Sunday. Did we celebrate it? Why not? Some of us grew up in a Catholic tradition. You celebrated it, didn't you, if you grew up Catholic? That's if you grew up Catholic and went to church. I'm not assuming anything. You know, it, it, it does get marked sometimes. It, it, sometimes it's just a, a little blurb in the top of the bulletin. Ascension Sunday. It, it was asc- the ascension. Re- you remember? Uh, Jesus was resurrected and he walked upon the earth for 40 days with his disciples. And he continued to teach them. Right? And then at the end of that 40 days... He ascended. So let's look at the texts. I, you know, I, I want to I, I nail down a little bit of a, of a theology of ascension because I'm afraid we don't have one, that we don't fully understand just how important that event was because it brought together a number of truths about who Jesus is for us, you see, and we're somewhat casual. We just sort of see it as, a, as an add-on. And rather than it be an add-on, I want to talk about it for just a few minutes this morning. So look, look, Luke chapter 24. Luke records it in his gospel. Chapter 24, listen. And he said to them, it is written that the Christ should suffer. Now, this is after the resurrection, and he's reminding them, okay, of what has taken place. Because this is the, the last few verses of Luke's gospel, okay? It is written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold... I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed, clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. So they're outside of Jerusalem. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. I don't know about you, but I don't like goodbyes. Do you? I don't. You know, when my grandkids come and, and they, we put them in a the car seat and they drive away, I stand in the driveway and tears just fill my eyes. Because I, 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 that parting is not, it, is not easy for me. And here we're, we're, we're told the disciples, Jesus, who has been with them for the past three years, is taken up into heaven and they are rejoicing. Why? I think it goes back to the conversation Jesus has with them in the upper room. Remember when he's unpacking what's going to happen after he goes to the father and he says, I will send another comforter. He says, he said to them in a little while, you will see me no longer. And again, a little while longer and you will see me. What's he talking about? Well, disciples didn't get it either. Some of the disciples that said, scratching their heads, what is he saying to us? A little while and you will not see me. And then again, a little while and you will see me. And, and, and because I go to the Father? Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, Scripture says. And so he said, truly, truly. Now, anytime Jesus says something like truly, truly, it's really important. Verily, verily in the King James, truly, truly. I mean, the, the Hebrew word is amen, amen. That's what's in the text. It's in the Greek text. Amen, amen. Whenever he says something, it's really important, like that, right? So, so your your ears are perking up, right? Truly, truly, right? I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He's talking about the experience of sorrow and grief and pain and agony that they they will experience because of the crucifixion. Because they will see him hung on the cross. They'll see him. They'll watch him die. And then a short time later, they're going to get the surprise of their lives. Because they are going to see him a little while later. Resurrected. And Jesus says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the pain and the anguish. That's really true, isn't it? Any moms in here? Remember how difficult it was going through labor? Remember how painful that was? But then, like, 30 seconds after you give birth. I mean, Lisa works in, you know, in, in delivering babies all the time back here. I mean, right? You see this all the time, right, Lisa? 30 seconds after you give birth, they have forgotten all the pain. It's gone. Because they're holding that little baby in their arms, and they're just cooing. They go, oh, it's she? you know. You with me? That's a great illustration of what happened here. They're in pain and anguish and sorrow. I mean, they're just, they're in totally in the dumps for three days. You know what I'm saying? And then they see Jesus in the resurrection. They forget all the sorrow and the anguish and the pain. Everything is turned into joy. So, Jesus says, verse 22 of, of, of John 16, so also you have sorrow now, and I, but I will see you again, and your hearts then will rejoice, and no one will be able to take your joy from you. Your joy will be unquenchable. And so here they are in the, in the ascension. They're saying goodbye to Jesus. But they are rejoicing. They are worshiping. They are. It's. It's incredible. It's incredible. Because they know. R.C. Sproul says. Because they know. Where Jesus is going. And what he's going to do when he gets there. Because he's taught them. I love what St. Augustine says. When he rests. When Augustine rests in. In the vertical indicative, he wrote, From this point on, all of our activity will be amen and alleluia. All of our activity will be affirming, adding our amen to what Christ has done and worship and alleluia. Exactly what happens in the ascension. And then Augustine writes, there, shall, there we shall rest. There we shall rest. And we shall see. We shall see and we shall love. We shall love and we shall praise. Behold, what shall be in the end and shall never end. Now that's really pretty in the Latin. Let me read it to you in the Latin. You know, because St. Augustine wrote in Latin. He was Italian, okay? Vaca bimus et vide bimus. Vide bimus et ama bimus. Ama bimus et lauda bimus. Eque quad eret infine sin fine. Isn't it beautiful in the Latin? Go ahead, just walk at her today and start quoting that. There's people. Or email me and I'll send it to you. But what's he saying? He said, he said when we rest in him, when we, when we finally understand, fully understand what he has done for us, we will rest in him. And everything, every one of our activities from that point on will be amen to what Christ is doing and has done. And it'll be hallelujah. Because we will see him, and when we see him, we will love him. And when we grow to love him, we will praise him. Not only today, but we will praise him from this day forward forever and ever. That's the turn that we just made here in Colossians. Now, there's one other place where, we, where it records the ascension In Acts chapter 1. So let's just read it before we we, we move on. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. It will appear on the screen for you. And Jesus says, and this is, you see this? We're combining live-sent, where we're going, with the vertical indicative, with what Christ has once and for all finished work done for us. Okay? But you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, those were his last words to them, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood beside them or by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay. So the ascension of Christ is not an afterthought. We place great emphasis on what? the cross and the empty tomb. And that is appropriate. I'm saying because that's where the penalty of our sin was paid. But in victory and after the resurrection, there was an ascension and it was not an afterthought. It was purposeful. And so we, we need to, what I want to do today is just nail down why the ascension matters. Why does it matter? Are you with me? Why does the ascension matter? I'm going to give you eight quick words. Okay. Eight quick words. Number one, continuation continuation okay in acts chapter one when luke introduces the book he has written the gospel and now he's writing a history he's writing a history a record of the early church and he says this in the first book theophilus i dealt with all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up he ascended Now, the inference is, the inference of Luke is, is that the gospel of Luke, that was written also to Theophilus, was written of all that Jesus began to do and teach in his earthly ministry. The book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do through the apostles and through the the church. He doesn't just send us out. Without power and without provision, remember he tells them to wait with a purpose, to pray and wait with a purpose. So, so, so the effect is the meaning of the ascension is number one. It's, it, there's a continuation. Jesus is not finished working. He, the, you know, the work of the of the cross. You know, the, the, those first nine verbs in the Apostles' Creed, past tense, accomplished, done, in the book, ascended into heaven, the last one. But he's continuing to work. Okay? So the first word is continuation. The second word, glorification. Glorification. When Jesus departed from this world, there was accompanying him a cloud. Does that sound familiar? How is the presence of God known in the Old Testament? A cloud and a pillar of fire. The Shekinah glory of God. What Luke records for us is that he was taken up by a cloud. A symbol of God's glory and God's, God's presence. You see, when Jesus, when Jesus left heaven to come down on earth, he emptied himself... And took the form of his... He humiliated himself for us. He left his glory in heaven. When he returns in the ascension, he is glorified in the ascension. His humiliation is over. And now his exaltation has begun. So it's continuation. He continues to work. He is now glorified... Back in heaven, where he belongs, in glory, in exaltation. And there's a third word incarnation. What does the ascension do to the doctrine of incarnation? You thought about it? The ascension tells us that Jesus will forever be in his incarnate state. He, res- he, he resurrects bodily, he ascends bodily into heaven because he ever lives in physical body in his humanity in heaven so when we see him in heaven we will recognize him and you have heard it said before there, you know that he will wipe away all tears there will be no wounds the only wounds visible in heaven will be Easy to spot. They will be the wounds in his hands. His feet inside. The scars left. On our behalf. The incarnation is eternal. That's one of the meanings. You know that's. That's in this idea. Of the ascension. Garrett Scott Dawson. Who wrote a book on the ascension says. He. He is forever the incarnate one and he keeps his humanity for all eternity and he affirms our humanity and we have the assurance that we will one day join him physically. Now, if you're thinking about where we've been in the book of Colossians, remember the proto-Gnostics are teaching, teaching that all matter is evil and that even the human body, the physical body is inherently evil. And Paul is saying that through Christ, through his resurrection, through his perfection, he goes incarnate in flesh into the presence of God, and we will one day join him in the flesh, complete in him. It's an incredible promise. Are you getting into this ascension thing yet? Okay, there's a fourth word, reunion. It's the word reunion. Go back and look. Before his death and his resurrection Jesus declared over and over again that he must return to the Father. Jesus was looking forward to a reunion. I must return to the Father. John 16:28 I came from the Father and I have come into the world and now I am leaving this world and I am going to the Father. It not say I'm going to heaven. Heaven is where He is. That's where the Father is. You get that? Living down here can feel like heaven when you have Him. Because if we are where He is, Start getting a little inkling of what it's going to be like. Start getting a little more excited about it. That's what Paul said. Set your mind and your heart on things above. You with it? There's a reunion. Jesus, Mary, you know, sees him in the resurrection, wraps her arms around his legs, and he says, Don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. But you go to the brothers and you say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father. Wow. There's this sweet reunion that takes place in the ascension. He ascends and immediately he's embraced in reunion by the father. Fifth word coronation coronation at jesus ascension he's installed as the true king of the cosmos of all of creation according to the apostles creed see he ascended into heaven heaven, he sits at the right hand of the father of god the father what is the right hand it's the throne it's the place of authority and power. So he's not just reunited with the Father, but the father, the father says, come and sit on the throne at my right hand with all power and authority. There is a, there is a coronation that takes place in the ascension. This suggests exactly what Daniel was proph- prophesying in Je- Daniel chapter 7. Let me read this, beginning with verse 13. Here's Daniel's vision. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, God the Father, and was presented, presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. That all peoples, nation, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall never be destroyed. See, with the coronation, God's kingdom has been inaugurated through the enthronement of Jesus. It's in the ascension. Are you liking the ascension yet? Want to start celebrating that a little bit more? This is crazy. Number six, impartation. Now, what is imparted? What is imparted to us? The Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his, his apostles, his disciples, guys, unless I go away, something else is not going to get to happen. Because when I go to the Father, I will send you another comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit who will be with you and be, will be in you. It's amazing. Go back and read the Upper Room Discourses. Read, go back and read John this week. read John fourteen you know through through sixteen and just pay attention to what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in those last moments with his disciples because he 's saying, "When I go, there will be an impartation that 's exactly the message that he reiterates again at the end of luke 's Gospel and at the beginning of the book of Acts when he says, "And you shall receive power, go and tarry in Jerusalem until The promise is realized in you. You shall receive power. Dunamis, dynamite. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will live sent. No way around it. Because you will have power. You'll have my power. Garrett Scott Dawson. Wrote a, a little small... If you, if you ever want to read on the Ascension, it's about 60 pages. I found it this week. Love it. Great little book. The Ascension of Christ. Garrett Scott Dawson. Listen to what he says. Gonna, this is going to blow you... This going to knock your socks off. Are you ready? You ready? We, we, we have a closer relationship with Jesus now than his disciples ever did in the three years that he walked with them. Think about it. We have a closer relationship with Jesus now than his disciples ever did in the three years that they walked with him. What do you think about that? It's the point. They walked with him for three years. They watched everything he did. They heard everything that he said, but he was outside of them. They were standing next to him. And what, you know, what Garrett Scott Dawson is saying now, this same Jesus, if you are in Christ, the spirit of God has come and he lives in you. You. You are closer to him than the disciples ever were during his earthly ministry. Do you believe that? You start believing that, it'll change your life. You start understanding what the the work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives, it'll start, it'll turn you upside down. There's been an impartation, and it happens as a result of the ascension. Are you liking the ascension yet? Number seven intercession. Intercession. What's Jesus doing right now in the present tense? What's he doing right now? Scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Intercession on our behalf. If you have an intercessor like that, somebody like that praying for you, who has that kind of access to the Father, it's amazing to me that sometimes people come up to the pastor and they think, I have a direct line to God. So if the pastor is praying for you, that's going to make a real big difference. Listen. What if you had Jesus praying for you? I mean, the one who's sitting right next to the father. The father says, oh man, that Blaine, he's really struggling. Yeah, Lord, these are tough times, but he's one of ours. He knows me. Blaine and I were tight. And I'm praying for him. Do you like the the ascension yet? The eighth word and last word. Return. Return. This is the future tense. This is where it is heading. Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Appears. He will appear again. He will come again. When he appears, you also will appear with him in glory. The angels there at the ascension, Acts 1. They say to the disciples, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way that you saw him leave and go to heaven. So when you pray... The Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You anticipate his return. He's beginning to build his kingdom already. It's established. He's been enthroned. He has defeated the enemy. You know, we, we said that last time. We, he has set us free. Remember, it says he put all of the... Angels and principalities and, and powers, all those elemental strength. He put them in his victory parade as he, as he came and rode through the streets in conquest. They, they are in chains. Why are we walking around like we're not free? If he's got them all chained up, why are we acting like we're not free? Why are we acting like we're not forgiven while we're not loved? Why are we, why are we acting like we don't have a new heart that's been instilled in us by faith? the presence and the power, you know, the very real ministry internally of the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I, I'm going to start celebrating the ascension. How about you? Jesus is still working. He's still working. I wonder what he wants to do with Willoughbend Church. I think as we start unpacking chapter 3 and chapter 4... We're going, to have, we're going to have a pretty clear sense of what he wants to do. Don't you think? Of what it means to live sent. But folks, we won't get anywhere. We won't get anywhere if we are not in Christ raised up, co-resurrected with him into new life. With a new heart. And with a new purpose. Let's pray.